Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the literary Eddie Matthews. How are you doing today, Eddie? Oh, doing great. Um, we're recording this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so, you know, one of the greatest men to ever come from this country. Thank you, Dr. King, for your life and also for, uh, you know, the day off. You know, I didn't uh, think of this till now, but it's a little racist that you had us do an episode on the blacklist on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Eddie. It's a little oh, racist. Uh, unbelievable on your part. Yeah, I was wondering why you waited like two weeks to record this episode. Now I know. That's uh, it's pretty messed up, man. <laughs> well, that it was a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> I know you don't believe in coincidences. Sorry. Everything for you is a serendipity. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason in your worldview. I didn't want to ruin your uh, very heartfelt uh, Martin Luther King Jr. entry, enter, but uh, it's just a little suspicious is all. But you had to. <laughs> what are we talking about today? What is the Blacklist, Eddie? Well, according to Wikipedia, nice. the most authoritative, trustworthy source on the internet, the Blacklist is an annual survey of the most liked motion picture screenplays not yet produced. It has been published every year since 2005 on the second Friday of December by Franklin Leonard, a development executive who subsequently worked at Universal Pictures and Will Smith's Overbrook Entertainment. You know, it's a bummer for Will Smith is that every time Will Smith's mentioned now, it's like, ooh. I, I, there was a, the writer, I believe, or maybe just the director of the Slow Horses show. His name is Will Smith. And he like changed it to like Will H. Smith now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um yeah that's tough the, I, I, i've listened to a couple podcasts with that guy who created the blacklist he's an interesting guy um mm. and like essentially got in trouble because he was he sort of did it out of like kind of under the table while he worked for these companies and they would get all the scripts early and he would sort of circulate them and have people vote and it kind of turned into a thing but it's it's become very commercialized and i mean if you make the blacklist now everyone knows it I think it's been responsible for a few Best Picture winning scripts, and it's very wide, widely known now. But at the time, you know, 10 years ago, it was kind of an under-the-table hush-hush sort of thing. I wonder if he went back to Universal Pictures now, you know, or after it became a commercialized thing. It's like, ha, I was right. <laughs> well, I think it, was, it wasn't that he wasn't right. They, they, they fired him, I'm pretty sure. But it wasn't because he wasn't right. It was that he was sharing scripts that he shouldn't have been. Like, basically, he was giving everyone else an edge because everyone else then knew which scripts to pull from, like the same list. Whereas the Universal, I think, would like to have kept that information to themselves. (laughs) I feel like it's badass, though. It is. I mean, it turned into something really cool. And it's. I think it's great for screenwriting because it's, uh, you know, screenwriting, like anything else, is not always meritocratic right you it's just people who like a particular concept which is cool because you can get some unique stuff but it's also nice to have you know some of the most widely regarded scripts that are not by like professional script writers especially have a chance to kind of get some um some fame and get some publicity yeah yeah so the the website makes a a point of saying you know these aren't the best scripts they're just the most liked you know they're yeah the most the most often mentioned um apparently among 300 film executives um they contributed to the 2022 list that we're going to talk about and uh, according to the blacklist this year scripts had to receive at least six mentions uh, to be included on the list 
but I believe that they rank it like the number in the background when it goes 25, 22, 22, that's the amount of mentions, I assume for that yes, particular I think film. That, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Interesting. Cause many of mine come from the mid tier, like down. For sure. the 10, I think that tends to be to the 10. case with most of these, like the ones I've read, the ones that are all like at the top tend to not be very interesting, at least mm. to read the abstracts. Most of the time mm. I found that to be somewhat of a trend. I think you get some of the more interesting stuff the further down you go but yeah. i think it would be cool to do a blacklist that isn't movies that all eventually get made i guess it would be kind of impossible to do it maybe retrospectively i'm thinking something that would that would give an that would elevate or give a boost to scripts that are great that haven't been produced yet you know um, that are not from that year that are just from previous years that even you know 10 or 15 years on still haven't been picked up but are but are great you know like a like a um celebrity season of survivor or something where you, you bring back like the ones that that made the list but haven't been produced yet yeah i like it i guess that would be an easy way to do it yeah just just aggregating all past ones that made the blacklist and then putting together kind of a I don't know, maybe every 10 years or something you would do one where it's like, hey, these should still get consideration or whatever. I'm but surprised they don't do this that. for TV scripts too because this is just movies. Mm. I'm surprised they don't because I mean, I would imagine for every movie script, there's like at least five pilot scripts for TV shows that don't get made, right? Oh, definitely. But I wonder, I wonder if maybe it doesn't even need that because, you know, as you look through prior blacklists, you might have one that made the list, you know, in 2012, and then it gets produced in 2019. And so somewhere along the line, it's not that it, it got forgotten in those seven years. It was still percolating, you know? Yeah, I mean, so many scripts that are bought end up not being made into movies or get totally rewritten and stuff. It's a, it's quite just selling your script, I think, is doesn't a lot of the time doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get made. I think a lot of I would be curious to know even with the blacklist as big as it is now, what percentage of these, of like the 2015 scripts have been made eight years later? You know what I mean? Mm. I don't think it's probably as high as you'd think. I bet it's probably only like 10%. Yeah, so we'll just give you a sense of uh, 2012 was a great year. You had Arrival. Great year. You had uh, Hello or High Water, which is pretty good. I'm not like a huge, but still Good great movie, movie. I'll, I'll support hell or high water yeah um whiplash which is brilliant great. one of the best movies i've ever seen whoa uh, whiplash i'm gonna go that far it's incredibly good i'm gonna go that far but jk simmons is one of the best villains i think i've ever seen so i will say that in that movie not as j jonah jameson mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh me and earl and the dying girl good flick okay um and then there's a bunch of action movies and stuff uh jojo rabbit oh, nice. I, is jojo rabbit gonna age well i don't know it, it was tough because it was it got a lot of like criticism about the subject matter stuff but it, it's hard to know if that was like of the moment criticism that won't be time like what's more timeless the story or the the criticism you know yeah i remember watching it and enjoying it and and coming away having like a good movie going experience and then somebody saying on Twitter, like, yeah, I'm not going to watch Jojo Rabbit. Like, 
funny Hitler doesn't really appeal to me. I'm like, hmm, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it has no cultural footprint. Like, I don't know that many people who have even seen Ginger Rabbit, especially for a Taika Waititi film. It's surprising that it didn't make a bigger splash. Mm, mm. But you were saying, um, I mean, what are some things uh, I was just going to mention? So we should describe what we're looking at when we were reading these, but also some things that uh, stood out to me from the 2022 list that fit in with this lots of nazis which you would expect everybody loves writing about nazis uh robbers lots of heist movies on this list mm. uh tons of journalist movies lots of investigative reporters people mm. i think there's might you might I, my guess is there's just a lot of investigative reporters who don't have jobs that are like well i better write a screenplay yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely then, true uh-huh. and then the final so sports ones as well lots of sports and then um uh, like shapeshifters, surprising amount of those. What else was there? I'm, corruption. I'm oh, corruption. This was my last. Uh, I think nowadays, if you have you watched like any of the procedurals on TV, the like cop procedurals that have come out in the last like three to five years. No, of course not. They pretty much all start with like the whoever the main character is being like, oh, all the other cops hate him because he did something on corruption. <laughs> it's like the only way you can make a cop show nowadays and get away with it is if you're like, this guy's the good cop. <laughs> and so yeah. all, all of these, like every story on here that I saw that was about like cops or investigators, it was like corruption on the inside that needs to be tracked down. <laughs> it's, it's entirely like, they're never like, they're this one good person in this larger thing that they can't present as good. It's very interesting to see. Um, but yeah, those are some just takeaway observations of in general, lots of scripts on those themes for sure. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm I'm glad you're putting together this because um, I had a list of running themes too. So it's funny that we both noticed that. Yeah. Um, well, just to give the give the you know our massive audience a sense of what this episode's about, but, and they should pull we, it up too. I mean, they can go. I would say like if yeah. you're just sitting around doing nothing, it takes like five seconds. You can just look up the blacklist scripts, and you can pull up the 2022 list that we're looking at now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, how many made it? About 75. There's like 25 pages and three per page. Mm-hmm. So, this guy, Matt, there's is there a, a, a script on here about you and like your savant math skills? I didn't see that. <laughs> was that last year? <laughs> that was last year. Okay. Um, so Morgan and I went through and read all the premises. There's sometimes only a sentence. Sometimes there's a paragraph uh, for each one. And we each picked our top five or our five favorite just based on the premise that we read. And I have a couple honorable mentions. I think uh, maybe you two. And then we both have ones that we want to make fun of. Because <laughs> I think going in, I thought that they were all going to be bangers. But it's like, no, of course, it's a mixed bag, even though this is kind of the best of the best. And I would say, from, so for like what we're pulling from here, it's all, also like some of them just don't give enough detail. Like a lot of them, like that could be a good movie, that could be terrible. Like there's just not enough here. And sometimes yeah. you're like, I don't know if that's a comedy or like a, a drama. Like from the same right, movie. right. It's What's like the unclear. tone? Yeah. <laughs> so I have totally. one of those on my list that wasn't even one of my favorites, but I, I was imagining one version of it that could be really good that may be completely off to what it actually is. So that's also yeah. a trick with this but I, I like this as a gimmick to, to get into it like as a way of kind of talking about the blacklist so that's a good idea eddie Ed, this is eddie's idea so i'll give him credit for this <laughs> you're like this is one this is the one good idea you've had for for a podcast <laughs> that's great um so some running themes that i notice lots of secret societies you know true lots of secret societies you're not you're not wrong 
Yeah. Uh, lots of, I have to face my dark past in order to accomplish saving the people I love. Yep. Know? Yep. Uh, surprising amount of high school movies. I wasn't expecting that many buildings roman as you might you know coming of age sure, flicks sure. through high school yeah tons of opposites attract like i'm on yeah. this thing in this place and i'm not supposed to fall in love with this person but i do you know yeah. fish out of water type stuff too you get a few of those yeah yeah uh a lot of you mentioned this but a lot of like, kind of like spy cia espionage movies you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, and those kind of dovetail along with the opposites attract, you know. Oh no, I'm tracking down this criminal, but I fall in love with him, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a decent amount of like time travel or like Rip Van Winkle stories, where you're in a crowd chamber and you wake up and like everything's different, you know. Yeah, yeah. The few different, like, yeah, the sci-fi stuff is pretty weak, actually. Like, there wasn't a lot that I was like, that's a unique sci-fi concept. A lot yeah. of the sci-fi ones on here are like that. They're like, oh, this person can time travel. Or this person, yeah, wakes up later. There wasn't a ton of very novel sci-fi ideas. There's a there's a surprising amount of sci-fi, but like you're saying, it's lazy sci-fi. It, it's it not is. a rival. It's not, here's a high concept thing that we're going to execute. That it's possible never that that just doesn't before. fit into this like one line thing too. Like if, if a, mm-hmm. like I don't know what the arrival one was, but I bet in that one line, it's probably very difficult to mm-hmm. like summarize actually that might be interesting mm. do you have that one um available so that people get a sense of from a movie they might have seen like what it sounds like i can try to find um it. yeah can you track it down yeah yeah you talk i'll find it. um i'll i'll vamp <laughs> i'll <laughs> vamp i i can um, tell you this i'll tell the, the for the audience the other day i had to give a, a talk to a class I, like somebody got sick and i had to like fill in for like a statistics talk to a high school class I was like, all right, well, I'll like throw something together. I put together all these slides. I was like, all right, I'm just going to like read off the slides. They're like, projector did not work. <laughs> and so I just had to vamp for like 30 minutes about statistics. Uh, they did not get their money's worth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's man. what it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me when I'm with my students and I kind of want to, I have this ongoing joke where I act like I'm, just like a super out of touch old professor. And that's partially true. And so I'm just like, ah, what do, what do you guys into? What do you want? To, Billie Eilish? Are you guys into that? Like what, you know, as if, <laughs> nice. and it's just, they move on so quickly. Anyways, I'm hilarious. Um, so last two, tons of Saving the World movies and a decent amount of biopics and historical films, like you mentioned, you know, sure. a lot of Nazis, a lot of like, Here's this thing in history that you didn't know about that we're going to bring to light, which I thought was interesting. I, I thought that kind of historical films were going out. But... Well, maybe they see this. That's the thing is I also think there's probably like a, a big difference between what gets made and what makes it to this list. So it could be that like a lot of those types of movies get recognition from other screenwriters, but then don't. Because I imagine they're pretty expensive, right? Period pieces themselves yeah, yeah. are a lot more expensive than some of these other ones would be. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I couldn't find the arrival one, but I have the whiplash one, so we can use that as a, as a um, a style guide if you want. Oh yeah. Where's the whiplash one say? Okay. Wait. I had it a second ago, and then I went looking for arrival. It it says, whiplash. Damien Chazelle, under the director of a prestigious but borderline abusive instructor, a young college student begins to lose his humanity in his quest to become a core drummer of the top jazz orchestra in the country. I mean, that's a pretty good summary, I would say. Borderline <laughs> abusive? <laughs> Borderline? They, they upgraded Jeez. that. 
Yikes. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what you're dealing with, with, um, you know, the, the types of plot summaries mm -hmm. that they describe these films in, which, you know, I don't know. I've had to write a synopsis of my book just for the back cover, you know, doing 100 words or 150 yeah, words. And it's not easy. Yeah. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. Here's my two hour film in a, in a sentence. But I guess that's what you have to do to sell it. To it's a skill to come up with like a one line banger too. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is maybe why some of these sound so stupid. <laughs> true, true. Some of them do sound pretty bad. Okay, what uh, uh, you want to go with your honorable mentions first and work your way? I sure. didn't rank mine, but I can I can like rank them in my mind and do that as well. I'm just kind of throw on a list. So we um, I have one honorable mention that could just be kind of like an interesting, more cerebral flick, and it's also <laughs> kind of a historical film. Which one's this? So it's called Popular by Marley Schneier, and it's GOP strategist Lee. Atwater won the presidency for George H.W. Bush in 1988, and his campaign changed politics forever and gave him the worst reputation in America. <laughs> now, Lee Atwater is on his deathbed, and he needs to tell God his side of the story before it's too late. So I'm kind of like, oh, maybe it could be an interesting, you know, bit of American history I didn't know about. Maybe it can be kind of like the best parts of Vice with like kind of an interesting talk to god metaphysical component it seems hard to pull off so that's the thing <laughs> is that, that I, could, like, I could see this being like a dramatic like serious thing or i could see it being like kind of like a crazy comedy about like political strategism so, yeah i mean it's not interesting i definitely lingered on that one a bit to try to figure out what's going on it's funny because i just read something this morning about uh lee atwater actually so it's a um it would be an interesting character to do something about like people know hmm. just enough about him or have heard the name so you have some name recognition, but you can kind of, I would imagine, uh, take a lot of liberties because nobody's really going to call you out, <laughs> I wouldn't think. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, there's one called Match Cut by Will Lowell. Match Cut. This, is, this just sounds like a fun one, like a, like a Mission Impossible type, you know. Uh, while filming it on location uh, in yeah. Rome, a movie stuntman is mistaken for an infamous assassin, leading to 48 hours of madness as he's chased through the city by gangsters and police. So I'm thinking like, Rome action movie with like a fun kind of mistaken uh, identity of the tropes that are on here is not done that often. I feel like there's you could get yeah. more of that one for sure. So I think if done right, that could just be like pretty fun, you know? Yeah, there were a couple other ones that were like along this line. This one does sound like it would be more interesting than the others. There was like one where a movie star hits his head and thinks he's a real uh, assassin. <laughs> yeah. There's stuff like that as well where. It's like, yeah, you can throw in the set pieces to any one of these and it could fit all of them. But the, the underlying story is a little better for this one, I think. Yeah. And then uh, my last one, uh, this is an example of we just need more information, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Weary Ride the Belmonts by Josh Corbin. Oh, this one sounded good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, after saving his death many years ago, an aging gunslinger is forced to reunite with his outlaw daughter during the dying days of the West. I'm always down for westerns. You know? That's what I was gonna and, say. I, we're probably more of a sucker for westerns. Like, there's just yeah. not westerns these days. So, yeah. So, was that the only again, western that on the be, list? That's the only one I can think of. That's the only one I saw. Okay. Which you would think there would be more because it's kind of seems like you would do a western, pretty low budget, and you know, I I don't know. A lot of the audience I would think 
likes westerns and they don't have to be crazy innovative or new or you know like there have been a few decent like western shows recently so maybe it's just shifted over mm-hmm. but yeah western movies i mean there's i can't even like 310 to yuma is the last one i can think of that like i got a lot of recognition and that was a while ago. that was a while i guess true grit i mean true grit was still a while ago yeah django i don't even know if i would call Django it. was probably a long time ago yeah. too that's probably like yeah 10 years ago. that's crazy mm. also his follow-up was a western sort of although they were just kind of in a cabin yeah no one liked that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh do you want to list some of so and then we picked five favorites we didn't rank them but do you want to um let's just go let's just trade off you, okay you all right one, got one. One. first one i don't actually really i guess this is a pun uh, but Sang Freud by Michael Basha. Okay. So, this, so this was, I tried to pick like one representative of the larger group. So this was my um, heist one. So this is after a botched delivery of fresh blood, a world weary vampire and a pregnant nurse team up to rob a hospital of their supply. Imagining some sort of like buddy cop kind of comedy with an interesting grouping of a uh, vampire and a pregnant nurse. And I was like, you know what I could of, of the heist ones that sounded the most interesting to me. Okay. Yeah. I'm down with that. Give me a, uh, give me Sam Rockwell as the yeah, vampire. That's the type of vibe I'm going for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And give uh, who would we cast as the pregnant nurse? Ooh, good question. Opposite Sam. Like, uh, yeah, she, I feel like she kind of has to be young. If the other guy's a world weary or then, mm-hmm. Maybe something like like a twenty five year old. Mm. What's um? Who's like a twenty five year old actress with a sense of humor? I was thinking the 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 girl from the second season of um of um what's the show that everyone likes right now that uh mm. where they're uh, White Lotus. Yes, Aubrey White Plaza. Lotus. No, not Aubrey Plaza. The blonde girl. His name I don't know. I think no, she could be a good pregnant. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza and Frank Rock or Sam Rockwell would be an interesting pairing for a movie. Fair enough. Could be cool. It would be. All right. What's yours? Um, this one's called Vitus by Julian Weiser. In fifteen eighteen, a dancing plague overtook the city of Strasbourg in the Holy Roman Empire. Hundreds of people danced themselves to death over the course of a summer, and no one knows why. Encircling medieval medicine, the uncanny, and the origins of mass hysteria, Vitus is a wildly visual exploration of a crucial but little-known moment in European history. It's a like very good topic, again, because there are a bunch of theories for why that happened, but nobody really knows the truth, and there's very little information outside of like a couple <laughs> notes in a really old manuscripts, so you could essentially make up anything you wanted. So that's a, yeah, that would be interesting to see. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of this event. Um, it gets so... brought up a lot when people talk about mass hysteria. It's like one of the events people pull out to be like, this happens all the time. And then they always mention that. small. <laughs> this happens event. all the time. <laughs> See, it happened in 1518. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so I'm thinking kind of like a Edgar Allan Poe tone to it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Like it, when it, it wouldn't be fun. It would be dark. I like you know? it. Right. That's not what I was picturing, but yeah, that seems that seems like it would be like I want to see the guy. Oh man, I'm struggling with names today. The guy who did like uh, Witch or um, 
the lighthouse what's his name mm, oh yeah robert eggers yeah robert eggers takes yeah. this, like a period piece i feel like that would be really yeah good. Yeah, yeah 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 i was mm. thinking ari aster but i think robert mm. eggers would be better robert eggers those would both Robbie. be <laughs> all right you go okay I've, so this one i put it on the list because this was the one i was talking about where i'm like this could really suck or if they took it like an interesting way it could be really good it's very hard to tell from the tight line so this is goat this is the sports one I put on here. And so the, the tagline is, a promising first-round draft pick is invited to train at the private compound of the team's legendary but aging quarterback. Over one week, the rising star witnesses the horrific lengths his hero will go to stay at the top of his game. So I think the, like, rote version of this would just be, like, this guy does crazy stuff to his body. But I, I would picture it like a like a dark comedy where he's, like, sacrificed. Like, there's just crazy shit going on, and he's, like, sacrificing animals and, like, doing all kinds of bizarre stuff to actually like supernatural elements but it could very much not be that that just seems like a much more interesting idea i mean that does your version of it sounds interesting i don't think that version would ever get made by a studio <laughs> who knows I, the, the thing that says horrifying ranks makes me think maybe there's something more to this than than meets the eye but uh maybe i want i want oscar isaac as the aging uh oh i like it football star okay but I don't know if you could pull off because I think Oscar Isaac's like five nine. <laughs> I don't know if you. Can he's pull the off, Doug but... Flutie. Well, he sacrifices <laughs> stuff. Maybe that's how he. Oh yeah, it. he's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, so you know that really would be a tough sell. Um, all right, mine: "The House in the Crooked Forest" by Ian Shore. A mother and her young son, fleeing Nazi-occupied Poland, are forced to take shelter from a blizzard in an isolated manner, where they discover the Nazis may be the least of their worries. That's good. Solid script. Solid tagline, I feel like. And that's the thing is that it could be anything. What's, what are their bigger worries? I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> uh, we got some ghosts, we got some zombies, we got some Nazi zombies, like in Call of Duty, I'm down, you know? I mean, anytime your tagline is like, oh yeah, there's Nazis and they aren't even the big bad, that's a solid tagline. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, a mother and son, that's a good... I don't know. It's like an interesting. You don't see as many mothers on. There's a lot of daughters yeah. on here, but not a lot of mother sons. You're you're right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, you're trapped and you have to get out. As a premise, is something that appeals to me too. Sure. Okay, so this one I kind of have two for this theme. So this would be like my one of them can be a. Um, like a substitute for the other one but these are these are like shapeshifter movies that are both on here i think the shapeshifter trope of like demons or like i'm thinking like the thing something that can change into how people look i've never really seen it done for comedy i could be wrong i couldn't think of anything off the top of my head but it seems like oh, i suppose um the world's end is the only one i can think of but even that they're not really shapeshifting that's sort of the closest i can think of anyway this one is caravan monsters inc do they shapeshift in that there's one of the the, okay. the bad villain sure, is like sure. a chameleon. So nice, good pull, good pull. <laughs> All right. Uh, during the Tang Dynasty, a young Persian woman joins a Silk Road caravan to solve the mystery of her father's disappearance, but must fight for survival when her fellow travelers realize there's a shape shifting demon hiding in their midst. This is all mine. This was my next one. Oh heck yeah! I thought the Tang Dynasty, great uh, Silk Road Tang Dynasty era, is like a great setting. To begin with, dude, give me any, give me, give me uh, any road trip movie, especially Caravan, like old Caravan, like Hell the yeah. last twenty, last twenty minutes of Ballad of Buster Scruggs, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Um, I'm in. Like we're we're 
on this we're with this merry band of pranksters something goes awry and we're you know we all are stuck in this together and we don't really know where we're going and it's a dangerous road that we're on and there's like mystery everywhere Heck so yeah, yeah sign, me road. sign me up Great. nice i didn't um, know we were gonna have any overlaps that's cool yeah she's trying to solve yeah i'm in it that's a good one freaking cool on so there was also one other shapeshifter one that i put it on my good job Lindsay <laughs> michelle whoever you are yeah good for her so i have one other one that's also a shapeshifter that seems more like i'm hoping it's a comedy but so this is who made the potato salad i'm the name to me was like a giveaway that they were trying to go comedic in tone uh this is by kyle drew what's funny about potato salad <laughs> well you have to try it it depends <laughs> depends who made it i suppose yeah, uh, that was pretty funny uh, and the tagline is a family's Christmas dinner goes awry when a xenomorphic demon starts to duplicate and imitate each member of the family. What does it want to show them their greatest fears? I'm not so into the showing them their greatest fears thing, but I think family dinner with a xenomorphic demon is a solid setup. I kind of don't get it. Like how could it impersonate the others if that other person is there? Like, does it cordon them off in separate rooms and act like the person so that they don't realize that it's not? I person? imagine they don't know that it's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, it must be a big house. So some upper class. This, yeah. this reminds me, I just watched adaptation, the Charlie Kaufman. Oh uh, yeah. And it's great. And it's about, for those who haven't seen it, it's about a screenwriter who's struggling to adapt this, this book that's based on a true story about this orchid thief. Um, you know, this guy that goes and gets rare orchids in kind of swampland, Florida, and kind of cultivates them, you know, in this nursery that he has, and it's kind of clandestine. And mm. anyways, so he's struggling to adapt the script and find his way into it. And the movie's about kind of him and that process of adaptation. And it's uh, Charlie Kaufman who writes himself into the movie. You know, he's the protagonist. Is played by Nicolas Cage, and he has a twin brother called Donald Kaufman, who's made up, but is also played by Nicolas Cage. And so Donald, you know, seeing his brother Charlie really struggle to, you know, adapt the script, and he's never written a script in his life, but he wants to. You know, he looks up to his brother, and he's a successful screenwriter, so he wants to do what he does, and so. He says, um, hey, Charlie, uh, would you, you know, t take a look at my script? I wanted to write, write scripts just like you. Um, it's called The Three, and it's about a guy with multiple personality disorder, and it's a serial killer, and, the, uh, and he's trapped a girl in his basement, and the cop is trying to find him, but he has multiple personalities, so he's actually all three of them. <laughs> and then he just... He's like, well, how would you film that if he's the cop and he's in the house? How would you film that if they're both supposed to be the same guy? And how would they be there at the same time? Mm. And he goes, trick photography? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And then it's just hilarious because he finally finishes the script and then Charlie Kaufman begrudgingly gives it to his agent and his agent like loves it and sells it for a ton of money. <laughs> And it just gives you, I don't know, kind of like a satirical look into Hollywood and how the process works, you know? Yeah. No, that's funny. Um, yeah. Did you have another one? Yeah. 
What's your next one? Oh, yeah. Uh, this one's called Viva Mexico by Miguel Flatau. Okay, so I didn't put this on my list, but I had originally, I have this downloaded and I've read the first like 20 pages of this script. Oh, was it yeah. good? Yeah, I enjoyed it. He had just gotten to Mexico. Um, it was fun. I, I need to finish it because it, I, I was enjoying it so far. When a washed up superhero gets betrayed by a Mexican government. Why does it say a Mexican government? By Why not the Mexican government? Don't worry. There's multiple Mexicos, okay? <laughs> okay. He must I think they mean a, it's basically like a local government, so I think maybe they got confused because it's like a yeah. Anyway, he must lead a populist social movement to fight the narcos, topple the government, and free the people. This movie could be incredible, or it could be real, real, real bad. You know, you, I was getting the same thing from the script. Like it would require a lot of comedic acting from whoever that like that person is going to be doing a lot of the comedic load. So you really have to cast well for this one dude get freaking diego luna in there man did he do comedy <laughs> I, I mean he's a great actor comedy true but he was young uh yeah could he do comedy i, I mean, mean i mean he's a really good actor i'm sure he could pull it off gail garcia bernal would be great. Yeah. Gail garcia bernal now we're talking now we're talking i that just can't imagine him as a superhero he could pull it off yeah he's great he kind of disappeared. I feel like he he was like could have been really famous and then kind of didn't want to be. I don't know. Like he's still pretty. Of, I mean, he's just waiting for his Star Wars ship to come in. You know, he should. I mean, he's amazing. So yeah, fair enough. He'd be great. All right, your turn. Good choice. Okay, I've got. Uh, I was trying to decide between chatter and let's go again i'm gonna go with let's go again just because it's something slightly different so this is guy colin bannon um this is he had a bunch on there or he had like two or three did he wow good for him uh when her domineering director makes her the same scene 148 times on the final night of an exhausting shoot actress annie long must fight to keep her own sanity as she tries to decipher what is real and what is part of his twisted game so like class like uh you know psychopath director with an actor some maybe some supernatural stuff going on i don't know it sounded interesting though i was like i'm intrigued and it seemed like kind of a character driven plot maybe i don't know i feel like that could be kind of boring if it's too i don't know i feel like, like... the part of what decipher what is real and what is part of a twisted game makes me think that there'd be more stuff going on than just kind of filming and directing mm-hmm I think I'm really tired of these movies that are just about Hollywood, you know, that don't really have any sort of, that don't really try to appeal to anybody beyond their peers who are also in the quote unquote industry. Well, they get made. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I I only have, Um, you have, how many more do you have? I have one more. Okay. And then a couple to really cool. Nice. One of which is also by that same guy, Colin Bannon. He's just popping them out. Good for him. <laughs> it's like, I read, I read a screenplay a week. Um, all right. The Pack by Rose Gilroy. Oh, this one sounded good. I almost put this on the list. A group of documentarians braves the remote wilderness of Alaska in an effort to save a nearly extinct species of wolves. When the crew is brought back together at a prestigious awards ceremony, tensions flare as a deadly truth threatens to unravel their work. 
The team lived through the harsh elements of the wild, but will a secret they share survive the night? So it's like anything set in Alaska, I would watch, you know? True. I was when I first started um, reading this one, I thought they were going to be wolf attacks, and then I was still intrigued though that the, the second part still had me. I think, um, like, I hope we get half the movie in Alaska and half the movie afterward, you know, with this. I feel like this would be like a know, flashback type secret unraveling, yeah, movie, you know, but like a lot of flashbacks yeah. to Alaska. Um, I want to know the secret, I want to know all the like weird political dynamics of this documentarian subculture, you know. True. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I think the movie could suck if the secrets like. Uh, That's the thing. I think the reason they I didn't weren't. Was, yeah. They lied about it being an endangered species. You know, if the secrets like blame. <laughs> My but guess the... is that the secret is that they had to eat somebody in their group. Who they? Yeah, that'd that's be my good. Secret. But uh, that'd be good. That would be a good secret. I agree that'd that a lot of this secret. hinges on the secretness of the secret in that one. Yeah. All right. I only have one. Um, yeah, yeah. Hit this it. was. I think this was my number one. If I was going to rank them, that was my <laughs> number one. I did. That's rank a good them, one. Though. That's a good one. This was. This is "Oh the Humanity" by Gillian Weeks, a dark comedy about the Hindenburg disaster. Or the mostly true story of one of the biggest fuck-ups in history, the assholes, assholes who tried to cover it up, and the female gossip reporter who made some Nazis very angry. Yeah, I liked the sound of that one. I just think that they would screw it up. If <laughs> That's fair. I feel like, again, like the Hindenburg disaster is a great historical thing because like people, everyone knows of it, but nobody really knows the story. So you're, you're building some fertile ground there. Um, and it seems like you, know, you, get, you throw some Nazis in there. Got uh, some crazy shit going on with blimps. Not a lot of blimps in Hollywood, so got to get some blimp <laughs> Not action. blimps. <laughs> exactly. Big I've blimps that he doesn't mess reporting on the Hindenburg disaster, but other than that. So. Yeah, that's messed up. Um, so I have a couple that I want to ridicule, and sure. then I think that you have one that you want to ridicule, and then I'm wondering... I had one I, read, I, had one I wrote down that I was just going to say as a joke, but then I'll just put it in the ridicule uh, section. And then I think we should talk to wrap us up after that. I think we should talk about how we would, um, if we were the co-directors of Caravan, the one film that made both of our lists, how we would make it. Sounds good. All right. Um, all right. So under the, under, I put a word doc together and then just kind of copy and pasted the ones for my uh, ones that I picked my honorable mentions. And then I had a separate category that just said hilarious, <laughs> but not in a good way. <laughs> and then these two. All right. So this one's called, well, I'll do the less hilarious one and then the really hilarious one to me. Sure. Um, so also by Colin Bannon, the demolition expert. Oh, blasting, out of, blasting out of prison after being double-crossed by the mastermind of a heist, a demolition expert uses a genius with explosive to enact revenge on the caper crew who set him up while simultaneously picking up the pieces of his personal life. That's pretty like bad. this to me sounds like pretty... the Donald Kaufman, the yeah. three, you know. Yeah. It tells you exactly what it is. And it's just like a ham fisted, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. two hour version mm -hmm. of like something that he probably thought in the elevator ride up to the meeting he had with a film executive. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good shit. Um, what was your 
hilarious one. <laughs> there wasn't. They weren't even hilarious. It was just like, I just don't want to watch this. Mostly, <laughs> like I just really don't. And so this was the homestead. Mm-hmm. A trouble, a troubled biracial inner city teen is sent, oh. to with his, sent to live with his white conservative grandfather on his ranch for the summer. Things take a turn when the two are forced to overcome their generational and racial differences while defending the ranch from a ruthless backcountry gang. I suppose yeah. the gang part is the main part, but the first part just sounded so tough. It kind of sounds just like politically correct gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah, there was one that it was like, the, the, the thing was like, the tagline was like, this biracial couple, blah, 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 and then had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> I was like, wait, they just threw that <laughs> yeah. in there because they're trying to get it picked up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's the gang yeah. part could be fun, but I just started reading that and I was like, oh man, this would be tough to sit through. One other thing I wanted to mention is that I've read the script for the second highest one, Court Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Which I don't. I which one was that? Pretty underwhelming. It's the second one on there, so it's it's a it's called an over the hill tennis pro facing the existential crisis of the end of her long career gets brutally and embarrassingly defeated in the first round of the U.S. Open by a young new tennis phenom. In the anonymous aftermath, she is hit by a car. When she wakes up from the accident, she finds herself stuck playing this round over and over. Uh, the only way to stop the loop is to win the match, a seemingly impossible task due to how overmatched she is. But the more time she spends analyzing her opponent, the more she has to confront her ghosts of her own meteor- uh, meteoric rise, both to heal and potentially change the tra- trajectory of the- her opponent as well. So it w- it's like a Groundhog Day mixed with sports. Yeah, that was another sad thing. There's a few Groundhog Day uh, yeah. kind of ripoffs here. Um, I don't get it. It's she's playing this match in her head because she's she's not like she just got hit by a car. So she, she's in a coma and she's playing this match in her head and she has to beat her opponent in her head. The no, it's a, this, it's essentially like she wakes up. The she day recovers. Before. She wakes up the day before, so it's like Groundhog Day. Oh, I see. Okay. And every time she goes to sleep, she wakes up the day before. Ugh. It was okay. I could see it. Like, I could oh, see you read it. the whole script? Yeah, I read the whole script. Oh. Pretty underwhelming ending. I feel like How's it, it wasn't. What? How does it end? She beat the I, opponent? We're going to get sued by Elad Ziv if I reveal <laughs> where it even gets made. But I'll, I'll tell you offline. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty weak. I thought, isn't this script publicly available on the internet? I'm not sure if it's publicly available. Oh. I think I just <laughs> okay. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you traded sexual favors with some film, film executive to get your hands on this? And it underwhelmed. <laughs> it was not worth it. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, the other um, hilarious one. I have. <laughs> this one. Even the title pays off, you know? This one's called The Americano. Isn't that great? Which what is it called? The Americano. Oh, nice. Good stuff. By Nico Bell by Nico Bellamy and Chase Pestano. An everyday guy <laughs> who accidentally starts working as a barista inside the CIA headquarters building gets lured into a spy mission by a beautiful secret agent known only to him as Caramel Macchiato. <laughs> This one had like twelve lines. This is like pretty high up on the list. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that movie is gonna be really funny. I feel like it's one of those things where it's really hard to tell if they're taking themselves seriously or not. You know. 
God, it's so good. The Americano. Uh, all right, so Caravan. Oh, yeah, let me find it. By me... Lindsay Michelle. We're the film executives who picked this up. I'm picturing this. I'm picturing this like, yeah, like I mentioned, that last 20 minutes of Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where we've got, you know, four or five people in the coach. We've got kind of like a mysterious, you know, coach driver. And then there's all these like rumors about all these highwaymen on the road, you know, got like, and it's all, it's all shot at night, you know? For sure. I was definitely picturing it at night as well. Uh, the shape-shifting demon. So he's, I assume, <laughs> I like, personating... I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on here. Like, th- there's a mystery of her father's death already. And yeah. Then fighting for survival, and there's a shape-shifting demon, too. So there's a lot going on in this caravan. A lot going on. All amidst the, you know, the intrigue of the Tang Dynasty in the background. Yeah, it sounds cool. How should we set it over the course of a night, a week? Mm, I, think a it, I think over the course of a night would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Because then it's not, I, then I feel like it, I don't know, everything, there's more of a pressure cooker kind of to everything. I agree. You know, a shape-shifting demon hiding in their midst. Maybe the shape-shifting demon is the, now we're just rewriting the script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying I mean, to I think, imagine um, the shape-shifting demon had something to do with their father's mystery, which is why it ties together, oh, I guess. That's good. Yeah. If I had to, to guess, that's what I would I would guess with wager. Um, yeah, I mean, how many people are you picturing in this caravan, like involved in this plot? I'm thinking we keep it small, like five or six. I think five or six is about, about right. Because you can only fit so many people in a caravan. Plus, you need to build up the characters, you know. Well, I think that's what's cool about it is you can do a lot of good dialogue and character development while you have these kind of like flashes of major events or violence or you know things to just keep it beyond just a talking movie you know yeah yeah so i think that's what sounds cool also the silk road you're probably going to come into a lot of towns where you trade and stuff and there's bartering and all these people probably don't want their identities kind of you know to be known so they have to protect that and then each person kind of probably is probably protecting some secret so yeah you got like can't a trust each other but they're stuck together good. The government trying to escape. You got some people trying to pawn stolen stuff, maybe something like that. Yeah, I, like I like it. And there's there's already that like supernatural component. I feel like that's something that could make that could elevate otherwise boring movies into something that's interesting is is including some magic realistic component, you know? Some surrealism or magic realism or just I don't know. I feel like a lot of movies leave that on the table. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Unfortunately, this movie does has no information on IMDb, which makes me think it is not, not near. Uh, but I mean, this list just came out. So these movies, to be fair, are probably a bit too soon yeah. to really judge whether they're going to get made or not. But uh, I think you could also easily make that on a $5 million budget, and it could be real cool. Yeah, that's the one thing we didn't really take into consideration with our scripts. Like some of those would cost a lot more than others. But uh, oh yeah, that one shouldn't cost very much. It should be pretty straightforward. Well, I think if I were writing a screenplay, I would do what what our girl Lindsay did with Caravan, or what they did with the House in the Crooked Forest. You know, the the 
isolated manor, Nazi-occupied one, um, mm. where there's kind of just one uh, set, you know, and you could film it probably over 25 days and you could do it on a pretty low budget because it just seems like more likely to get made, you know? True. Yeah, I like it. So hopefully that's the case. Apparently, I'm looking, I'm trying to look up this uh, this author. It looks like she had another script that was on the blacklist a couple of years ago as well. Oh, like, nice. Something called Sandpiper. It's unclear what. We shouldn't We should invite her on the pod and <laughs> have her talk about Caravan. We could, yeah, get a little pub publicity for uh, for the film. I'm down. That'd be tight. That'd be tight. Yeah, the script um, for her other film is just on Google. So oh. that, I, don't, I imagine that's bad. <laughs> That seems like it's probably less likely to get made if it's on Google, but who knows? Dang. Yeah. Well, you should read that and then send her like a fan email and to woo her, you know? Yeah. I'll see what and I can. And then bring her on the pod and then we can talk in depth about this, this, uh, this movie. And then here's what we do. We sell the rights to that episode to the film studio, you know, and then take like a 50-50 cut with Lindsay. I like it. Let's do yeah. it. Let's pull them out. Let's, this is our new career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, selling the IP of this podcast. Exactly. Uh, um, you know what I'll recommend for, before we go is I just watched the first episode of The, the Last of Us TV show. That's oh, yeah, how's that? I enjoyed it. It was, it was solid. Is it good enough to re-up my HBO subscription for? I think HBO is pretty cheap, isn't it? I don't think it's a very expensive subscription. I could be wrong. How many episodes are there? Are there There's only episodes? one but there are going to be nine. Oh, I'll just wait. Yeah, I'll wait and then watch them all at once, probably. I'll wait until Succession comes back. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. The last I've heard, I heard that the first episode was the weakest by a couple of people, and it was still really good. So I, I'm, uh, I'm definitely intrigued. I will be watching it throughout the season. Good post-apocalypse. I feel like if you do it right, it's a solid setting. That's why it's been done so many times, but... Some zombies, post-apocalypse, it's good stuff. All day. Yeah. Especially if it was someone smart doing it, you know? Yeah. Like, we got to do a children. We, we got to do a children of Man episode. We should. Wait, have we not? I feel we've definitely talked about it a few times on here, but we've, we've talked never... about it? Yeah. I think we included it in our top 10 sci-fi movies. That's, so. probably, that's probably when it came up, yeah. That could be the case. But I think it deserves its own. It's a masterpiece. Indeed. It really is. I hope it doesn't get lost. It seems like it kind of has gotten lost to time, which is a real bummer. Like people talk about it, but I feel like a lot of people still haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people are idiots. That's true. That's true. I mean, most people don't listen to this podcast, so that right there. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Listeners, if you want to look up the full uh, uh, blacklist for 2022... And ranging back all the way to 2005. Although the earlier ones don't have uh, plot synopses, so it's just kind of a title, so it's not really yeah. you know, worthwhile. True. This was fun, though. We should do this again. We could go back and find a bunch of movies that have been made, maybe, and see what the original tagline was like. Mm. Something like that. We could, or we could do one on the Air Jordan one, uh, script, because that movie comes out soon. Yeah, do you want to... Or we could do it on the Ari Aster script I sent you, which you refused to read, which is fair, because it's absolutely insane. But uh, uh, I didn't refuse to read it. I just, you know... We'll, we're going to read it, and then we're going to watch the movie, and then we're going to talk about you it, You right? won't be able to put that script down, because it's 
so crazy. So, right. yeah. I can't not believe that they're making that into a film. And I saw the trailer and almost most of the stuff from the trailer was in the script. So it seems like it's going to be actually <laughs> taking place based on that script. So I'm pretty excited. Well, I'm sure that director has Final Cut. I mean, he, so the script that I sent you is like a really early, like it's from like 2012. It was like before he was really famous or could make his own films. Like, um, and so I guess he's been working on it for like a really long time. So I was expecting there to be some substantial edits in the 10 years in between, but it seems like a lot of the stuff is still in there. So it's going to be wild. Sounds good. Word. Well, uh, if any listeners are interested well, uh, they can read along with us and, and let us know. Yeah, dude. Um, cool. Well, uh, oh, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Bickle because uh, he listens to the pod. And I just got to give a shout out when I come across people, you know, in the wild to tell me like, oh, I listened to that episode. I'm like, what? <laughs> I would, but I, I didn't want it to take up like half our episode every time. Me just calling out people mm. on the street talking about the podcast but uh specifically i get it all right listeners catch you next time adios